Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we're going to have a great show of real elk sounds with Chris Rowe. Before we get to that, I want to tell you guys uh, I've got a new website, uh, jscottoutdoors.com. Uh, it's been uh, revised and it's still a work in progress, but I want to encourage you guys to go over there and check it out. Uh, you can actually link to my YouTube channel, my Instagram, my Facebook, as well as uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, on my website. Uh, you'll see some blog articles and a bunch of photos and cool stuff, so go check it out. Uh, I'm going to be doing a email newsletter, and if you guys want to stay updated on my hunts and adventures and other offers, just uh, go to my website, jscottoutdoors.com, enter your email address at the bottom, and you'll get my personal updates. Also, if you've been a frequent listener of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast, you've probably heard me talk about GoHunt.com and their insider product. Well, now, if you haven't heard uh, and you've been interested but haven't signed up, they're offering an exclusive 30-day free trial offer uh, to my listeners. And you can see why I think it's the best product a Western hunter could have. All you got to do is go to GoHunt.com forward slash j scott and sign up for that free 30-day trial uh, also guys please go on itunes and leave me an honest review uh, that really helps our placement with itunes uh, and it's fun to watch on the uh, charts uh, how we move up and down those charts and uh, those honest reviews uh, really play into uh, getting a good placement there on iTunes. So please do that. If you have any questions, like always, you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And guys, I want to thank you for all your continued support of my podcast. And I hear from the sponsors all the time how you guys are uh, buying products using the 10% the promo code and such. And I just want to thank you for that. Uh, let's get right to this episode of Excited Cow Calling. It's part of the Real Elk Sound series with Chris Rowe. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got another great episode with our friend Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources here in Real Elk Sounds number three. Chris, how you doing? Doing all right. How you been? Oh, I'm doing great. I actually, uh, this morning, I uh, started at about 8,900 feet and went to 12,025 feet. I thought of you when I got up there at uh, was just under, it was 11.91 miles, um, and uh, once I got up there to that over 12,000 feet uh, here in Colorado, I obviously always think of you because you love the Colorado high country and um, got back. It was actually a pretty dang good hike, uh, and uh, I felt it. I'm feeling it now, and it feels good to... Uh, you know that that's a pretty good hump for me. Um, I've been doing mainly between five and ten uh, every day, and uh, this one was definitely a little bit of a butt kicker. So it feels good to get up in the Colorado high country for sure. Well, and yeah, yeah, rub it in. I, I mean, obviously, I just got back. I'm I'm back home now for a couple of weeks, and then uh, taking care of some of the deer stuff that we're doing. But yeah, well, you started out at 8,800 feet. I started at 88 degrees. <laughs> and then by, I mean, literally I was outside work and it was 88 degrees, but it, the real feel said it's, it felt like 97. I don't know what you had like 80 or 90% humidity. It was stupid. It's, it just sucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to get back out there. Well, here's, but here's a question for you then on these hikes. Have you started, I know you're carrying your day pack and stuff. Have you actually started carrying serious weight to see how you're doing or, are you, or is that coming up next? No, I mean, I had my backpack today and I probably had 20 pounds in it. Um, but for me, I just do better when I try and go for more endurance and go at a, a longer distance than trying to pack, you know, 70 pounds on my back on a, on a hike like this. And I know oh, yeah. everybody's, everybody's different, but um, I'm, I'm getting so close to my elk hunt starting, you know, here in a couple weeks, it's like, I, I'm just trying to grind it out and where I'm elk hunting, I'm not actually backpacking in. I mean, I'll have all my backpacking stuff if we need to camp on a bull or if we need to go in a place. Um, but you know, most of my hunting is going to be day hunting, 
Um, so for, for my training, it's basically just been trying to do it, you know, five to 10 miles between that a day and trying to gain, you know, a couple thousand feet in elevation. And most of the stuff, you know, I'm starting at a minimum of, you know, 7,000 feet, uh, you know, all the way up to 12,000. And, and, you know, the elevation for me being a flatlander from Scottsdale is, you know, it's, it's the real butt kicker. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, when I can gain, you know, 3000 foot of elevation, um, you know, that, that's pretty sweet too. I definitely could feel, uh, it's amazing when you get it to me, when you get, it's like 12,000 and up, like my, my arms, everything feels like almost like I, you know, I had rode all morning, which I didn't, I, I didn't fish today, but it's like almost you get that muscle fatigue Yeah. and I don't usually get it till I get to about 12,000 and then it, it, you know, it really slows you down. Well, that's exactly in my, it just, there's no gas in the tank, you know, it, yeah. you, you, and I always, I, I'm the same way now that I live where I, I mean, I'm, I live at like 2000 and change or something like that. So yeah, me coming up, it just, it, it hurts anymore. And for people that are not used to being out West, I can tell you, at least for me, what I found in the past was it will take you a good solid two to three weeks and depending on your fitness level, two to three, four weeks to, you know, acclimate and really kind of get yourself acclimated at elevation. But you come down for a couple days, you've, you've pretty much lost it. I mean, you, you can lose it. So, um, so for me, I'm back and forth, bouncing back and forth between Colorado and Kansas as much as possible. But I'm the same way, man. I, I mean, I recover quickly. So I can carry, it doesn't matter if I'm carrying my day pack or if I've, you know, thrown 50, 60, 70 pounds on just to try to see how I do. You know, I'll take a few steps and, and it just, you, brr, you just tank, just like no energy. But as soon as I stop, take a couple of breaths, I notice, boom, I'm right back ready to go. And then I go again. So as long as my recovery is quick, I don't feel too bad about it. But uh, no, that's why I was asking how much you're carrying because 11 mile round trip, people don't realize that when you're at that elevation, that's a long way. That's a long way. But yeah, it, it and you feel every, you know, you feel all of it. You know, I've been up here in Colorado since I think May 21st. And I've this summer, I've really, really focused on diet and really focused on my exercise routine uh, as far as hiking. And I've been rowing like a madman as well. Um, so, I mean, I, in another, you know, I'll be ready for this elk on it. You know, I don't know how much more I can actually do um, to be ready. I'll, I should be in pretty good fighting shape and, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I feel good. My body feels good. Um, cause you're going to be sleeping uh, down below 10,000, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So most of my hunting will be day hunting. Most of my hunts will, you know, my, my sleeping will be below 10,000 feet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I've, I'm about fished out. Um, that's blasphemy. Got a, what? I know, I know. I'm about <laughs> fished out, and just concentrating on shooting my bow, hiking, and uh, just putting a few last minute touches to my gear, and and uh, been doing a lot of call testing, both on the mouth call and the external reads, um, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. Just just get gearing up for this beaver elk hunt for sure. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, what we're going to do is like we do in this Real Elk Sounds uh, series. But before we actually get to that, um, I want to ask you about, I've been noticing on your Instagram, you've been posting some really nice whitetails um, and just curious what's going on uh, on your cameras, what stage those deer are in and, you know, what are they doing? Well, yeah, I for those people that might not know, I manage you know, it's about 3,000 acres out here in Kansas for whitetails and turkey and, and help the landowners just kind of diversify some of their income and, and kind of get a control of some of the poaching and trespassing issues that they've had in the past. And then also uh, just try to manage, if not slash mitigate some of the crop damage issues that they have. So, uh, which is 
I mean, as a wildlife biologist, it's a dream come true. You just get to play with critters every day, pretty much. So right now, I, well, not right now, two months ago, a month and a half ago, I went out and really got, made sure all of our mineral sites were up, ready to go and in place. I usually start running the minerals uh, in May, in through June. I want to get them out there just so that the critters have all the mineral that they want when they're as they go into summer from spring into summer and we got a lot more moisture and they're eating a lot more greener vegetation um the minerals definitely help uh not only for antler development which you know most hunters care about but for lactation of the does as well it, it's a it's a huge factor so Got all of our mineral sites in, but I don't normally start running the camera until about June. And I'll put the cameras out once I know that they're, you know, rocking and rolling. And then I don't usually check them until about now. And so I just got back from Colorado, being out there for a couple of weeks, filming elk, doing my elk dealio in the summer. And then I got back here and just the other day, just ran through and that's what you're seeing. I ran through and, and pulled a bunch of camera cards just to see what was in there. And my goodness gracious, we've got some bucks this year. Oh, uh, there's, I mean, there's one that is just an absolute stud eight point. And you look at the deer, you know, you look at his antlers, you're like, Oh my gosh, shooter. And then you take a step back and say, okay, get rid of the antler component a minute what is the deer age class you know how old is he he's only like a three-year-old deer this this deer's a giant for a three-year-old if we can let this deer go for another year or two let him hit five years old oh my word is this thing going to be an absolute giant so for and and i know um I know your listenership is across the United States and, and everywhere else, but I know you probably have a, a bunch that are Western guys. If you have not heard about quality deer management or the quality deer management association, you may not have be privy to some of these discussions, but for a lot of whitetail enthusiasts, the, the whole industry has shifted now to where you're looking at more body condition and age class and age structure and a diverse age structure. Well, Kansas has never had an issue with mature bucks or big bucks but depending on the ground and how it's managed and how it's hunted you you can you know some things are good and some things are bad well i this is now i think the third year of formally that we've been running the management program and my gosh do you, do you see the age structure really develop and you see the antlers really develop and it's just nice to see and watch but yeah we've got some giants running around this summer that's always fun to pull the cameras and see some big bugs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, and that's a funny, you know, one camera I pulled, I had something like 23 or 2,400 pictures on it already. And so, you know, obviously you go there, you know, doe, doe fawn, doe fawn, doe fawn. You start, you start, you hit arrow down, you're like, click, click, doe, 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 oh, buck, oh, it's small, doe, 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 hello. And then here's this, you know. <laughs> giant 10 point standing in front of the camera you're like hello yeah that'll work Are, do you get um it's off the subject but do you also get turkeys coming by those locations and do you get a lot of those on camera too or not uh it depends on where the station is like for instance there's one camera that actually if anybody follows me on instagram they actually saw some of these pictures earlier this year i did a little tiny micro food plot inside a, a little timber corridor and we had just turkeys and deer piled in on it big time i also have a mineral site in there so yeah We've got the deer piling in on the minerals, but the turkeys still are in the area. So in that particular spot, oh yeah, piles of, of hens and poults, which is good. I'm glad to see we had different poults, uh, some good poults in the pictures. It was interesting for me that there was actually a couple different age classes. So some of those hens re-nested, and I mean, they probably hatched out chicks or a little, you know, turkey poults probably beginning of July, it looks like. I mean, it was, it was really late, but yes. There's some turkeys in there. Other ones are purely in places where it's just going to be deer, and I very rarely, if ever, get any turkey pictures of them. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's um let's play this clip, um, and we're going to kind of set. I'm going to let you set this clip up, uh, before you play it, so everybody can hear it live, and then you and I will come back and talk about it. Um, and kind of go through it and play it as well. Okay. 
So you want me to set it up now? Please. All right. Uh, part of what I do, um, this is kind of what I talk about in, in the elk module, row hunting resources, the elk institute is, you know, I, I monitor and kind of study vocalizations, communication behavior year round. And so part of what I do is in the summer going up and, and keeping tabs on a number of different cow calf groups and try to get in there and get good video footage of their interactions. Well, one of the places that I go is Rocky Mountain National Park. We every year we try to pull up or when I when I'm going in there to film, I'll pull a permit and um, go in there and spend some time and see if I can't figure out where cow calf groups are and figure out if I can get in there and, and get some good vocalizations and communication. One thing that and it doesn't matter if you're talking Rocky Mountain National Park, if you're talking Banff, if you're talking Yellowstone. A lot of these places, elk are very habitual, or elk are one of the animals that are easily habituated to human presence. And so you can find them in and around humans, especially if humans keep the predators away. Well, Rocky Mountain National Park is definitely one of those places where you can find some really good cow-calf groups and really good elk groups down in and around people. Now, while the good part about that is you can find them easy, kind of the bad part is, is you end up, if you can find them and you're next to a road, well, so does 8,300 other people. You know, every, everybody just piles in, all right? And so the other flip side of that, the good part about it is, when you have human disturbance, whether it's roads, whether it's hikers, whether it's photographers or whatever, when you have a lot of human disturbance and you have a lot of noise, like road noise or whatever, it creates a higher level of disturbance that the elk have to deal with, which means, and I talk about this, see you first, hear you second, smell you third principle, they cannot keep visual contact with one another as easily. And more importantly, they can't hear one another as easily when they're in and around the roads and stuff. So oftentimes, by default, we end up with awesome behavior, body language, you know, cues, or awesome vocalizations. They're talking more and louder than they normally are because they have to deal with everything else that's going around. So sometimes the best places to, to video and record vocalizations and behavior are right next to the roads. Well, unfortunately, anytime you're going to be stopped looking at elk with a big tripod and a big professional-looking camera with a big honking shotgun microphone, everybody drives by and they're like, what is that guy watching? And so everybody just piles in around you and, and wants to know what you're doing. So this particular clip. All right. You're going to hear some road noise. You're going to hear some people noise. People, you know, the cameras, you know, shutters falling with a camera. Um, you're going to hear vehicles going by. But just try to tune that out and just listen to what the elk are doing. And then this the other half of this setup is and this is and we'll touch on this here in a minute. The cool thing about this is is. I and you'll if anybody that's a subscriber, you'll be able to see this video. I'm going to be putting this video on the website here pretty quick. You get to see the entire action. What basically these cows come out of the timber, they come into this open little strip along this roadway. They're working their way parallel to a road, and they're headed to a huge open meadow. So they're they come out of the timber. Walking a little ways, transitioning, and then they're going to go out in this big opening. Well, while they're transitioning, there's probably, and you don't see them in this, this clip, but there's probably 30-plus animals, all cows and calves, just strung out over probably two to 300-yard stretch. So you've got cows separated from their calves, calves separated from their mothers, cows separated from other cows, and quite honestly, there are actually, in this particular clip, some of the elk have made it across the road and are walking parallel to the road on the other side. Well, that means the other animals can't see one another. It was an absolute prime and ready-made situation for vocalizations and a lot of uh, behavioral displays. So that's why I just, I hit the, when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm staying. I set the camera up, hit record. But the beautiful thing about this whole thing is you get to watch everything unfold 
and you get the context. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. So that's what's going on. These elk have come out of the timber, are feeding and walking their way parallel to this road on their way to a larger meadow where they're going to feed all night. Okay, that sets it up perfect. So I'm going to play this audio here for the listeners uh, and then we'll let it play without stopping it. And then we'll come back on the back end and play it and kind of discuss it. So Sounds good. Um, let's hear from our sponsors first before I play the audio. And then we'll go right into the audio. And then Chris and I are going to come back and give some commentary.
Guys, the title sponsor of my podcast is GoHunt.com Insider, and they're doing a 30-day free trial exclusive for the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott and click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. It only takes a couple of minutes. You will be required to provide a credit card, but you will not be charged until after the free 30 days. You can cancel at any time within the first 30 days to prevent being charged. If you have any questions at all, you can email freetrial at gohunt.com and someone from the GoHunt team will promptly respond. This is your opportunity to see what all the buzz is about and the filtering 2.0 system and the application strategies for the Western Hunter. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsmans in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsmans is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. All right, Chris, that was an unbelievable clip. Uh, let's go ahead and play some of the clip and, and uh, let you stop it where you want, and then we'll add commentary as to what's going on in the clip. All right. Perfect. All right, I'm going to stop it right there, Matt. <laughs> that's an estrus call um chris exactly that is exactly why i wanted it. i mean yeah two vocalizations right there that i just i love one people all the time you'll hear people talk about whether it's estrus mew estrus scream estrus wine estrus whatever a lot of them will be it has to that yeah that real raspy gravelly yeah mew well sorry folks <laughs> I've got so much video footage of that. This is July. She's not an asterisk. I'll tell you that right now. So, and, you know, again, I don't, if you want to call it an asterisk mu or whatever, that's fine. Go for it. You can. I'm not going to criticize that. The only reason why I make a distinction is because there are people that feel that that's the only reason why they can use that vocalization in their calling is because, well, it, it signifies a cow in asterisk. So, if I'm after bulls, if I'm calling to a bull during the rut, well, okay, I can use it. But if I'm a cow hunter, cow elk hunter, well, I, then it, it's not going to work for me because, you know, cows don't care about other cows and esters. Or if I'm late season elk hunting and I'm trying to call, and I'm it, again, if I'm calling cows during a late season, well, you know, they're not in... in Estrus, so this isn't this isn't going to work. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with estrus. It absolutely is a, a legit vocalization. Use it. You know, again, I, I we I, we talk about it at length in the the elk module, but I mean, you're dealing with an an elk that is seeking somebody desperately, so it absolutely has relevancy in your calling scenarios, whether it's the, I mean, whether you, Jay, you're talking about starting your Utah elk hunt early in, in August or whether I'm late rifle end of, you know, November somewhere, dude, that vocalization works. I mean, it does, it flat works. It's not one that I, you know, just jump right into. It's more of an aggressive vocalization and more, you know, I'll add those in if I'm getting a little bit more aggressive with my cow calling, but there you go. I mean, okay. So let me let me see if I hear you correctly. You are saying that that is the sound that many have coined the term estrus call, estrus mew, estrus scream, whatever. Yes, you, you, you're saying that that is the sound, but what you're saying is this is July, and so that is actually a sound that they use all the time yes so my question is is it an excited call is it a demanding call is it a you know w or an ex what would you okay both perfect yeah no it, it, that you just nailed it i mean that 
you know, I talk about it as an extension of a loss mu. If you take the, if you take that intensity level up, and and people talk about it, okay, this is this is one of those situations. People talk all the time. Oh, add emotion to your calling. Okay, I will always say you're not going to be as effective with your calling if you're just throwing emotion without knowing what you're adding emotion to. But in this case, yeah, this is the penultimate expression of a cow seeking someone, all right? I mean, it, that there it is. And th again, this is why I put so much emphasis on video because you get to watch the body language. You get to see what her what, what her head position, her ear position. You can see what she's doing through this entire clip. And, and that's what, the first 13 seconds of this clip? But you can see clearly she's looking for someone, all right? Yes, it, it is very exciting. It is very uh, demanding, if you will. There's some people that on, you know, I talk about a demanding mew versus this. I, I coin this one more of a selfish mew just because if you get in a situation where you're in a, in a large herd and, and I've got some video footage that's going to go up here pretty quick where we have about just shy of 60 cows and calves up in the Alpine and it just turns into chaos. I mean, cows are calling their calves, calves are screaming. Well, a lot of times you will hear this vocalization when a cow is trying to stand out from the rest of the group. And so I originally was like, well, it's not really an estrus. It's more of a selfish type of deal. You know, she's trying to command the attention. She's trying to separate herself out from everybody else that's talking. She's trying to pull the attention to her. She's trying to get those animals to listen to her and do whatever it is that she's saying before it or and or after it. So I always coined it as a selfish mute. Now, some people would say, well, why, why wouldn't you say a demanding mute? Well, there's a couple things that cows do that are, that are vocalizations that end up being demanding. And, and I'm, so anyway, I mean, there, there's a lot of discussion around it, but bottom line, yeah, this is absolutely excited. This is absolutely demanding in its nature. Pay attention to me, listen to me, do what I'm telling you to do. And then the other thing that you heard in there was, is a vocalization I always talk about is that assembly mute. Short on the high note, low on, long, drawn out, low note. Man, come to me. She's, she, in this case, she is either looking for a calf or she's looking for another cow that's in and around her and somewhere nearby. Now, later on, I can tell you, I think she was separated from her calf and starting to get desperate about it. But doesn't matter. The relevant part about that is, is here are specific vocalizations that I talk about all the time. And within, I mean, she walks out of the timber and I mean, boom, she just starts firing them. And well, as you heard with the clip, I mean, she just doesn't stop. <laughs> and so for people listening and for myself that try and translate this into our own calling, what would you recommend as far as using this call and and when to use it and and how how would you how do you put this into your own calling i will use it um as a supplemental vocalization um you know people you know you know you and i have talked about it last year and i talk about it all the time is about you know whether i do a passive strategy or a targeted strategy passive strategy on calling is where i'm not really talking to any elk outside you know i'm not talking to elk off in the distance i'm just portraying the image i'm just a cow and a calf or whatever in this tight little group and we're talking amongst ourselves versus a targeted strategy where I am in fact speaking to elk that are away from me that I see or I hear or that I'm interested in. It's the same thing that elk do. They, they will either talk to, the, to themselves using chirps and muse, or they will use a targeted vocalization strategy using assembly muse, lost muse, whines, frustrated whines, aggravated whines, that type of deal, which you hear her do through this whole thing. Um, when, and most of the time, I'm going to be using a targeted vocalization strategy, okay? But I always will start low key. I'll start with my lost muse. I will add in those. I'll make vocal contact. I will switch to the assembly muse. I will go that whole thing. Now, if they're not responding the way I want them to or as fast as I want them to, that's when I start adding in wines, long muse, all sorts of other stuff. And this is one of those vocalizations that I will add in again to just say, dang it pay attention. 
try to stand out from everybody else and just command that attention selfishly say dang it listen to me not the cows that you're with not the you know the, not that other bull and his other cow no pay attention to me so i will add it as a supplement when i need to step up the intensity level of my calling sequence because they're not doing what i want them to do as fast as i want them to do it and only if i need to again I don't elevate my intensity of my calling any more than I absolutely have to. So you don't just start out just right off the bat with with the uh, excited calling and and go right into it. Have you found where that can actually work against you? Well, for me, and yeah, yeah, you and I have talked about it, and I talk about it on the website quite a bit. Is you know, in some of these heavily hunted areas, whether you know, there's a Again, we talked about it, and I think, in a previous episode. I mean, there's all sorts of factors that go into how an elk is going to respond to our calling. Human interaction and hunting pressure, that's only one you know, aspect. The herd dynamics of the elk that are in that area, that is going to affect it. The age structure of the herd dynamics, that's going to affect it. So there's all sorts of environmental factors and elk-related factors in your area that are going to predetermine how those elk want to inter- you know, in- engage or interact with one another right off the bat. So that's I, I always start low-key and work my way up because sometimes you'll slip into a situation and a low-key, that's all they need. And quite honestly, sometimes that's all they want. If they don't respond favorably when I start low. I can always step myself up. But if you jump in aggressive, sometimes you can uh, alter their behavior, put them on edge, make them uneasy to where now you've altered their behavior. They're, they're going to be either moving away from you and they may not even know that you're a hunter. They just may not want that engagement with that type of you know, if you're sounding like a bunch of cows and calves calling, you're a, you're in you're an aggressive cow or a very intense cow. There's some times where you get these, you know, you've got a younger age class bull, maybe he's a four-year-old bull, he's got four or five cows, and there's really not many bulls around. Man, sometimes those cows are like, you know what, we've got our bull, we don't want to lose him, we're out. We don't want to deal with another aggressive cow. And if you want, we can dive into all that stuff. And, and why that might be the case. But if you dive in aggressive right off the bat, you got nowhere to you go. got nowhere to go until you let them settle down. So right. I always start low, build up if I need to. Well, and I think you have to judge what you're hearing as the hunter. And with your different strategy, you talk about uh, targeted strategy, you talk about passive strategy. You know, for me, when I hear stuff going crazy and chaos, you know, you got to kind of get into the chaos to to have them pay attention to you. Although if things are just kind of quiet and they're just kind of talking every once in a while, both bulls and cows – and you go into chaos mode, most of the time, that doesn't work in your favor. Yeah. Most of the time, you've kind of got to go in, you know, take their temperature a little bit and kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I like to stand out, but I don't like to stand out too much, if that makes sense. Meaning, yeah. I don't mind kind of being the cow that's, you know, a little more vocal and, you know, getting after it. But I think there's times when it can kill you too. Because if there's cows that are like, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't going over there to her, they go the other way, then the bull is forced with a decision, follow them or come over to me. Yeah, and and which one's he going to choose? Well, he's probably going to choose the ones he's been with all day. There you go. And that's that's the thing is people all the time, they'll say, well, he was bugling everything I gave him, but he was just kind of, he kept walking away. Yeah. He want, he... For the guys, and it doesn't matter if we're talking elk or humans, for guys, the more the merrier. You know, if if I've got a lady interested in me, hey, let's go. I'm sure <laughs> my wife won't like that. And so she's like, uh, no, we're leaving. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Pete, and I, again, people all the time will say, oh, call shy bulls. Well, really? Some of these areas that we're hunting in, you're hunting. 
and this is not knocking anybody, but some of the places we're hunting in, the vast majority of bulls we're after are two and a half to three and a half year old bulls. Just how educated are they? Whereas yeah. the cows that are in that herd might be 15 years old or older. Those ladies have been there. They've done that. They've been around the block a time or two. So when they have their bull, a lot of times it's, I really do believe it's the cows pulling the bull away. They're like, nope, we do not want to be, and I talk about this, but we don't want to be with other cows because we're going to have to figure out our new pecking order. And then we've got, yeah, we're just going to take our bull and we're going to leave. The ladies leave, he's bugling, but he's going to stay right with the girls that he's with. He's going to bugle the whole way. And then you're going to be stuck behind him walking away as you go. Whereas... If you just started low key to begin with, you might have been able to tell pretty quick that, oh, wait a minute, those cows don't want any part. No, okay, they don't want any part of me. I haven't moved them yet, but they don't like it. So, okay, stop. I'm going to maybe I'll use a bugling or a bull vocalization strategy. Okay, I need to do something else. Whereas, you know, and you've seen it, Jay, on some of the videos, sometimes I get in there and I start calling. I'm not calling to the bull. I look up and I'm like, wait a minute, those cows, the cows are interested in my calling. I'm just going to put the wood to them. I'm going to call the cows. I'm going to sucker some of the cows out of the group and anticipate that bull coming out and following those cows and trying to round them back up. So by starting off low key, I can take their temperature just a little bit, see the, see the reaction, and then adjust from there without sending the whole herd off, you know, putting the whole herd on alert. Great stuff there. Let's take a quick break here. Real game calls featuring the elk reel. Real game calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy to master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle tested on some of the hardest hunted terrain on earth. Check out elkreel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreel.com. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they can dip almost anything into a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicle parts, steering wheels, cups, or tripods, Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turn them into something that looks fantastic. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at utahhydrographics. Chris, I've got one question for you, and it actually doesn't even, well, doesn't exactly relate to real elk sounds. Um, but for the listeners out there, in in your opinion... How do the cows choose the bull that they want to breed them? Great question, man. That I mean, goodness gracious, that was a deep one. <laughs> um, and and the, the funny part is, is we just had someone a similar uh, similar question come up on the forums and whether or not a cow chooses the same bull year after year. That one. And when you, that one, when I'm, you say uh, forums, you're talking about the. Row Hunting Resources Elk Module yeah. Forum. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that was another good one. So, yeah. Um, all right. There is a very, very famous researcher, Valerius Geist, uh, yeah. who has published a lot of stuff on elk behavior and communication. He originally theorized, hypothesized, or said, because I've got it in writing here in my book, um, that, uh, that cows choose the bulls based on the larger antlers and, and the larger, the larger antlers and the more symmetrical antlers. I disagree with him. And I know that some people might call that blasphemy, but I do. I disagree with him. I think a cow chooses her bull, the bull that she's willing to be with, based on his maturity level or 
how he handles himself and how he portrays his more maturity level. Meaning, I have seen numerous times where, let's take for instance, my bull that I killed last year, 341, all right? He was a 341 bull, beautiful, big, mature bull, probably five, six-year-old bull. All right, across the valley was a group of cows with their bull, and that bull was yeah, five by five that was probably, I don't know, 270 bull maybe, okay? Well, why weren't those cows with my bull? My bull had 30-some cows or 20, 30-some cows with him. Why weren't those cows with my bull? He's clearly much more mature. Well, if you watch a bull's behavior, and I talk about this all the time, lovers versus fighters, the same thing goes. You've got some bulls that are just act stupidly immature. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. I've got it's a it's on the YouTube, it's on our YouTube channel. It's called High Country Redemption. Well, I think it's called High Country Redemption. I shoot a six by six. He's a three year old six by six. I missed a really big five by five. Nice four year old five by five that was in control of about I don't know 12, 15 plus cows. I missed him. Blew the whole group out. They left. Some of the cows came back. Well, the cows that came back here following with them is this three-year-old six-by-six. And I talk about that on the YouTube video and, and in, the, in the module. If you watch him, you can watch him and how he engages those cows. He's chasing the cows around. He's pushing the cows. He's, he's hurting the cows. These cows aren't going anywhere. He doesn't have to do anything with them, but he's acting immature. He's, he's pestering them. He's driving them nuts. Some bulls leave the cows alone. Other bulls constantly want to pester. With maturity in bulls, the more mature a bull is, most of the time, they will let those cows do what the cows want to do. They leave the cows alone. So most of the time, a cow is going to go to the more mature animal, because she, because they leave her alone. However, it might be a younger age class animal that leaves her alone and still protects the group. And then as far as symmetry, you know, symmetrical antlers versus asymmetric, you know, non-typical or whatever. Nah, I don't buy that either. Um, I've got plenty of video footage, you know, you've got, and you've seen it, Jay, down in Arizona, especially you've got some busted up, funky oddball bull that you know he's a big six on one side and a squirrely non-typical club on the other or he's busted off and just I mean he's got no antlers whatsoever but yet he's still got 30 cows with him why because he's a 10 12 year old bull so I think they choose it based off of maturity level and how those bulls engage those cows if, if the bull leaves them alone and protects them I think they'll they're happy with him so in other words Mama wants to be with a bull that's going to breed when it's time to breed, but not really mess with her until she says, all right, get over here. It's time. Bingo. Leave me alone. Leave, yeah. the, the young guy's going to be constantly sniffing around and jousting them out of yeah. their beds and getting them up and getting them down and chasing them and yeah. getting up on them and all that. And they're like, to heck with that. You nailed it. That's exactly it. And, and literally, Jay, you can, you can watch it happen. You can watch the animal. You can watch those cows. Just you, you just see their frustration level, their aggravation level, just build and build and build. And they're like, "All right, we're out of here." And they and it does not matter what that bull wants to do. She's not gonna stay with them. We've got uh, again, um, oh, bulls in the Alpine uh, gallery video footage where, uh, just real quick, a large group of cows that had one big herd bull in it ends up having two other just smoking. I mean, good looking bulls, probably five, six year old bulls, probably in that three thirty clan, you know, three thirty, three forty range all of a sudden show up. Well, they split the cows three ways. The big bull goes over the hill and takes a, a portion of the cows with him. Meanwhile, the other two bulls have sequestered themselves and their little pocket of cows and they are doing everything they can to bluff, charge, display, scream, bugling, trying to, to separate themselves and, and keep their grooves apart. Well, the cows literally want nothing to do. They're sitting there laying there, chewing their cud, watching this whole show going, 
you guys are idiots. Because <laughs> literally this goes on for, I don't know, almost an hour. And then finally the cows are like, you know what? It's time to go. We're out. And they just completely ignore the bulls. And they're like, we're down the timber. We're going after the big bull again. And just after all that displaying, all that show, you know, showcasing and, and, and displaying by the bulls, nah, we don't care. We're out. We're, we don't want you. So, yeah, I absolutely. If, if a bull is going to pester them, no. They don't rank high on the uh, attraction list. But you do feel like a two-year-old bull, you know, a small five-point that just kind of hangs around. He can breed cows, right? Technically, they can. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will say this. I, in my opinion, I think we're really kind of talking about a three-year-old that's probably going to do the breeding. And I, in for two reasons. One, the big one is, well, one, obviously the, the older age class animal, I mean, He's probably going to act a little different than the two and a half year old one. However, the probably the the biggest key is you can actually have two and a half year old bulls still hanging around the the same cow calf groups that they were born into and raised. And so a cow will not breed with her offspring. I mean, they know. And and this is a this is another rabbit hole we can go down. This is pretty cool. I, I this was kind of a, a parallel deal that I. Um, worked with a professor when I was doing the elk study, there's strong anecdotal evidence to suggest, and I've witnessed it. I have witnessed year and a half old bulls, and I have witnessed two-year-old bulls nursing on a cow in the middle of July. And the <laughs> theory is that that bull is her offspring. And she will continue to nurse that bull on it, you know, just in, you know, incidentally, just because it's in her best interest to make sure that that bull, you know, survives. Apparently, now there's very, it's, um, I mean, it's almost impossible to verify it, and researchers who've never been able to verify it without doing serious genetic testing, which cost would be astronomical. But the relevant point with all that is. A two and a half year old bull very well might be in still mixed in with his mother, his grandmother, his sisters, to where they, they're not going to breed him. They're they're not going to breed with him. Now, after that, that's where you, start. you think they know. Oh, absolutely, they do. Absolutely, they do. I mean, it's the exact same way. How and again, we the the video that I'm I'm sharing now from this past trip just to Colorado I mean, it, 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 there was so much good stuff to it you can watch a cow searching a group of calves and calling 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 and all of a sudden a calf comes at a trot comes to her you're like oh well she just called her calf and the calf is coming the calf comes smoking in and that cow's like, oh, go ahead and nurse. And while you're coming in, I'm going to sniff you. Wait a minute. Who the hell are you? Nope. And kicks him out. Nope. So visually, they did not confirm that calf was theirs. It wasn't until they put their nose to it and smelled it and were like, no, you're not mine. And then they kicked the calf out. So there's a scent factor there that is a strong, and the same thing with cows with calves. But I think the thing, same thing holds over into their offspring, offspring bulls. They can smell them and they know. They can smell them. They, uh, you're mine. You're mine. And so I'm not going to breed with you. Get out. And that's usually, you know, year and a half old bulls, you know, you can say, well, they get kicked out of the group. Nah, they get pushed to the fringe edges, but those bulls still stay with that group. It's not until you start hitting that two and a half year old range and then three and a half to where you see bulls just pick up and go, you know what? I'm out. Time to make my own way. I'm leaving. And they just they just go and, and they may go for miles. Uh, just a curious piece of information. Northwest Colorado is known for its trophy bulls. That, that's the state of Colorado manages the northwest part of the state for trophy quality. High bull-to-cow ratios, older age class. Well, for years, when they first started it, they were getting frustrated that they were not seeing the, the, the bulls that they were producing in that area staying there and, and getting maturity. So they actually collared a bunch of them and put GPS collars and radio collars on them just to see what was going on. 
they literally at two and a half to three and a half and you know four and a half year old that you know once they hit that age class there were bulls that were going from Browns Canyon and and, and the National Monument up there all the way to Laramie Wyoming just picking wow. up and going hundreds of miles and just just dispersing going bye see you we're out so it's not until you hit that uh, two and a half to maybe into three and a half year old range where you start having those bulls wander away from their maternal group that they were in, they were born into. So in that case, if you've got a two and a half year old bull, year and a half or two and a half year old bull, yeah, he can breed technically, but I think most likely he's not going to because he's probably going to be in with some sisters and, and female relatives. It's not until you get those three year olds, I think, to start doing that, the breeding. Great stuff. That was a great little bunny trail. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's take another quick break here and then dive back into the clip. PhoneScope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Okay, Chris, let's uh, play some more of this clip. All right, let me let me hit play, and then I'll stop it right after the money shot, what everybody, what everybody, <laughs> what everybody loves to hear and talk about. Hold on. All right, now during these dead moments like this, they're just feeding and just kind of relaxed and just kind of wandering and walking, and they're just kind of moving down along parallel to this road. a bull that was a bull bugling <laughs> yeah no there's not a bull to be had anywhere around here no that was the cool thing you know people talk all the time about cow bugles and and are are curious about cow bugles just because they're just they, they are they're 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 relatively rare i'm not going to say they don't ever happen because they do but it's just not something you normally hear so let me let me bounce it back we'll play it again and we'll let's I'll, i know you've got some questions so let me play it again <laughs> you've got to kind of listen to the the vehicle traffic but here you go i asked just perfect that's perfect that's a four point bull bugling right there that, and a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I, I, I finally got a bull to respond. Or you'll hear people say, you know, and now I'm not, I will qualify this next statement in the fact that, yes, bulls will bugle throughout the summer as well. They'll, they'll bugle year round. They just don't usually pour the, you know, pour the coals to it, you know, until the rut really kicks in. So, yes, you can hear some bulls bugle and they might sound just like this up in the high country in their bachelor groups, but most of the time. You know, people are up in the high country camping or watching elk or watching mule deer or whatever, and they hear something like, holy cow, a bull just bugled down below me. Well, was it a bull or was it a cow? So, <laughs> no, that, that's the cool thing about this one, too, is, I mean, you know, again, people, you know, you hear it and sometimes you're not paying attention. You, you might have a whole bunch of cows in front of you and all of a sudden you hear a bugle and you're like, whoa. And you weren't even paying attention to the, the the girl that said it, or you'll hear people talk about, oh, here's a you know cow bugle, here's what it means, or what does it mean? But again, without having video and being able to see the entire context, it's very difficult to tease out. You know, is it something that that's even important? So, in this case, you know, and the other thing too for people to understand. I did take out some dead sections in here, so it is truncated. This is a five minute. I've put together five minutes of literally almost what thirty minutes of activity that was in and around me. So I, I, you know, 
I, I didn't, these, these aren't stacked on top of one or one another per se, but I did take out a few dead spots. But in this case, there was very little dead spot between the first clip and this. She comes out, she's calling. You hear that again, what people talk about the estrus mew or estrus scream, or whatever, the selfish mew, whatever you want to call that. She starts vocalizing that way. She gives an assembly mew. Nothing happens. She starts walking. You can hear this is when, again, here's this frustration starts coming in. You can see your body language. You hear those frustrated whines start coming in and she stops, she turns, she looks back into the timber, back behind her, and she just rips it. So it just, again, it's one of those vocalizations you don't hear often a lot of times, but it, it happens. I wonder how many times I've actually heard that and thought it was just a, you know, two-year-old bull or a spike or, you know, cause I've heard spikes bugling and, yep. Um, but I've never heard a cow bugle that I know of. And when I saw this clip on the, uh, you know, that's going on the elk module, I'm just like, no way that cow just bugled pretty dang cool in your mind. How does that help a hunter knowing that cows actually make those sounds? And do you, would you incorporate that into your strategy, into your calling of a bull that's a situation i would put the cow bugle right there squarely in the wheelhouse of of that selfish mule or what people call that estrus mule estrus scream it is you're talking about the ultimate level of frustration and she is desperate to find someone so and most of the time and i'll bet you any money if you start going back through and thinking about all the times that you may have heard it it was probably in a situation where you had multiple elk. You probably had a situation where there was a lot of stuff going on and there was animals strung out across a large distance. Okay. So if I'm in those situations and I'm doing whatever in Jay, you know, it best, I mean, in the situations that you've been in and even some of the stuff that, you know, even our first episode, there's some times where you get in these larger herds and it's just absolute utter chaos that yeah. you you've got to do something to stand out either well i take that back if the cover's good in those situations keep your mouth shut and just slip in and and get in position who your your uh previous guest there uh one that killed 50 bulls in 50 and less than 50 My, michael park michael park he even he said it best he's like just slip in there and kill him you know, I mean, just again, calling is a tool just to help you fill a tag. It's not that it, I like calling, but you don't have to call in order to kill an elk. So if you're in those situations and you can move in and just slip in and, and go, do it. But if you're in a situation where they're going to skirt you and they're going to be outside of your range and you need to do something to try to pull some of those animals to you, that is where I start building the intensity in my calling. I start adding those frustrated whines, those aggravated whines. I will throw in those selfish mews and I will hammer them. And if I need to, heck yes, I'll throw in a cow bugle. It can't hurt. But the big thing with this is and if you listen to her, I'll, let me just play it again. Listen to the structure of it. Listen to how clean and fluty it is. All right, You're, if you want to do a cow bugle, this is where if mouth diaphragm is where it's going to be at. And typically you're going to be using a mouth diaphragm that allows you to do good cow calls. And at the, then the other part is, is you're going to want to run it through a, a, tube. A, a tube. Yep. And do not add any growl to it at all. If anything, at the end of it, do exactly what she did and just... Oh, and just add that breathy <sighs> to it. But yeah, absolutely. You've got to run it through. You've got to run it through a bugle tube. But that's just sexy. That, that was, she's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the, the beautiful part about it is that we haven't even gotten into the, the, oh, the rest of it. And you, <laughs> she. Let's, let's roll into all it. Right. All right. She's standing there staring back into the timber. And someone's taking a picture of her yeah. right now. 
Okay, let me pause it real quick, just give you some context. You get Again, you guys can watch it on my website there, the elk module. But right now, she's looking back in the timber. She's look, trying to see who's following her. I pan back. No, nope, whatever's coming in the timber, that's not who I'm looking for. So she whips around, and her and the other cow and calf that are following her, they look back. They're looking across the road now, and this is where she's like, wait a minute, who the heck is across the road behind me? Guys, I want to thank you for listening to episode number 177, part one, Excited Cow Calling of the Real Elk Sound series. Make sure to catch episode number 178, which is going to be part two of this Excited Cow Calling series. So thanks for listening, guys.